Yo, this is Sam Sports Podcast. I am Sam Rosenberg. It is Wednesday, April 18th, 2018. The NBA playoffs are upon us. That's right. I gave a preview last week on Friday. The playoffs kicked off on Saturday, and boy, oh boy, did they ever kick off. I'm so happy the NBA playoffs are here. My God, one of the best times of the year. So, Sixers have played two games. Let's just start off talking about the Sixers and raving about them. Before we get to game two, let's talk about game one. Game one opens up. Joel Embiid's not playing. The Sixers essentially just continued their winning streak in every conceivable fashion because they came in and they just pushed around this Heat team. Now, it is true the game was close in the first half, and I believe the Heat were leading by about four points at halftime. But in the second half, the Sixers just went crazy. The ball movement was amazing. The three-point shooting opened up. Redick... Uh, Saric, Bellinelli, they all scored over 20 points. Ben Simmons I nearly had a triple-double. And the Sixers ended up putting 130 points on the board. So they were able to pretty much get whatever they wanted to get. And it was all of the things you saw in their winning streak. The ball movement, um, sagging off of Ben Simmons, Markel Fultz came in and gave him relief. Like, everything they could have wanted worked. Uh, for the Heat... Hassan Whiteside uh, really was not able to stay on the floor. Uh, He was missing defensive assignments. And, you know, for guys like James Johnson, Justice Winslow, the guys who were kind of the prime defenders for Ben Simmons, really found themselves to be ineffective in Game 1. And the Sixers just trounced them. I mean, they really just put them on their ass and and pretty much let everybody know that you better be on notice because this Sixers team is ready to dominate in the playoffs. And, I mean, it was pretty exciting to watch. Um... Again, it was exactly what this winning streak, um, you know, was made up of. Now, they lose Game 2 at home. Let's talk about Game 2 at home, because this was a real moment where, and I'm going to echo, you know, this is a very long-time basketball axiom, which is that the playoff series doesn't start until someone loses a game at home. Well, the Sixers lost this game at home. There was some very clear things that the Heat and Eric Spolstra did to really sort of challenge this Sixers team and steal the win. And one of the first ones was, I mean, the defense was just better. I mean, it was very clear that they ramped up their defensive intensity. The Heat were chasing down. They were really full-court press. They were all over the defenders. All of these moments when Bellinelli, Redick, uh, uh, Ilya Sova were coming off screens and coming around the curl and getting these pull-up three-pointers all of a sudden there was a Heat defender who had a hand in their face. And that simple ramping up of the defensive intensity was enough to kind of disrupt the fluid of this Sixer team. And then you combine that with them getting outscored by 21 points in the second quarter, combined with the fact that Dwayne Wade turned into vintage Dwayne Wade. Because in about the second quarter, when the Miami Heat proceeded to run away with the game, Dwayne Wade just started taking these turnaround jumpers, and he was hitting all of them. And I was sitting there going, "Uh uh-oh, uh-oh, I see what's happening here, okay? This is where Dwayne Wade, this is the Dwayne Wade game. He's going to come out and just kill you. And that's what he did. I mean, he was backing down guys. He was finding his spot. He was hitting all of these jumpers. He was going to the hoop. He was getting fouled. I mean, I believe he led the team in scoring. I think he had around 28 points by the time the game was over. Um, Even Goran Dragic came out and really started off very hot but then got into early foul trouble, Dwayne Wade comes out onto the court and plays even better than Dragic. And so Dwayne Wade was a giant piece of why the Heat won this game. You ramp that up with the defensive intensity, and they're able to steal a game from Philly, and it really starts to beg the question of, you know, how soon is Joel Embiid coming back? 
because after the game, he tweeted that he was pretty fucking pissed that he wasn't playing in this game. And now I'm hearing, you know, uh, reports saying this is today's Wednesday. They're supposed to play in Miami tomorrow night. I'm hearing reports that um, uh, Embiid is supposed to miss tomorrow night's game as well. I, I guarantee you Embiid is pissed, and I guarantee you, you know, the Sixers are probably wanting him back because as fast as they've been playing, and even though they've been this fast-paced team for the last handful of weeks without Embiid, there is a feeling like the team is going to have to, you know, adjust a little bit to reintegrate Joel Embiid. But the truth is, they are a more dominant team, they're more dangerous, and they've got another dangerous playmaking scorer, rim protector, when Embiid is back on the floor. So as exciting as they've been with Ben Simmons being the superstar, they're still going through some growing pains. And I saw it because in that second quarter in game two, they were really struggling to find their shot. You know, once Redick and Bellinelli couldn't get these open looks, you had Robert Covington taking three-point shots. And whereas one night he is fucking, you know, on fire, in game two, the guy went one of nine. He was absolutely cold from the field, and all of his shots, you know, you can't, he's a shooter, you can't really stop him from shooting like that, but sometimes you live by the three, and sometimes you die by the three, and I think the Sixers really died by the three in the second game. Now, in the second half, you know, their offense picked up, they were able to, they were able to drag the game all the way back, they made it a two-point game, until, big fucking surprise, Dwayne Wade came out and just, you know, scored two or three straight buckets, hit a couple of free throws, the Heat are back up by eight, and the game's over. So, this team is new, they're young, uh, I think everybody was a little wowed by their winning streak, and even to, to see that winning streak extend right into the playoffs, and include game one against Miami, there was a sense that they were, you know, the talk of the town and the toast of the of the league right now. But, I mean, this game kind of, you know, brought them back down to earth. The, the win streak officially ends at 17 games. It's pretty amazing. But now they're coming back down to earth. The hope is that Embiid is going to come back very soon. And, you know, you know, there's still a belief that they are a better team, even without Embiid. But, I said this last week on my podcast, this Miami team scares me, okay? This is not an easy matchup for Philadelphia. I went to this Miami Heat-Sixers game in March when uh, the Sixers lost and Hassan Whiteside had a monster game. Like, this is a team that's going to make adjustments and they're going to make the Sixers earn it. And that's why I predicted a six-game series initially, and I'm still feeling that way. And I mean, hell, I'm, I could see a seven-game series. I'm still giving the benefit of the doubt to the Sixers, but this is, again, Miami is not an easy out. Kelly Olynyk. Um, you know, Dragic, Wade, these are all guys who have versatility, who are tough, who are, you know, tough-minded. Tyler Johnson, I mean, sneaky, sneaky, effective players. And I said this last week, if any team that the Sixers were going to get matched up against that scared me the most, it was probably Miami and Indiana. I would say probably Miami more so than Indiana, because I'm not afraid of Milwaukee or Washington. I think they're, you know, shelved. Uh, they're a shell of themselves at this point. So, very, I'm curious to see what tomorrow night looks like. Uh, I'm pretty. I have a feeling we're not going to see Joel Embiid. It's going to be another Ben Simmons show. But I do have confidence that this team can come out and still has the tools and the repertoire to to get back on track and keep winning games. Um, let's see how much Brett Brown tools with the lineup. Because in game two, I feel like he got a little overzealous. He benched Amir Johnson and started Ilyasova because he wanted to have that up uh, that up tempo play. And as the game started to get out of hand, he didn't bring Markel Fultz back in. Fultz came in at the end of the first quarter like he normally does, but instead of coming in uh, at the end of um, uh, uh, the third quarter in the second half, 
uh, where he usually plays those backup minutes for Ben Simmons, it didn't happen. Brett Brown left Ben Simmons out there, and if anything, he gave those additional sort of reserve minutes to TJ McConnell, somebody who he could trust a little bit more in running the point, because as, ex- as exciting as Markel Fultz is, his game is kind of limited right now. There's only so many things he can do, and in a playoff series, sometimes those one or two moments where he has a defensive lapse or misses his guy it's not affordable anymore. So it was interesting to see Fultz get relegated to the bench in the second half of uh, game two, because in a sense, is he going to offer you more than TJ McConnell? I think maybe there's going to be some explosive talent moves that Fultz can offer you, but there's going to be some probably defensive lapses and and sort of judgment basketball IQ decisions that Fultz is going to hurt you on that maybe McConnell will not. And McConnell, actually, is a little bit of a better shooter than Fultz. I mean, it's hard to think, you know, we're in a situation where we can deal with Ben Simmons being the only non-shooter, but you know what? I think Brett Brown also wanted to not have another non-shooter and Markel Fultz on the floor in that game. Um, Really interested to see what he does for Game 3 because I trust this Sixer team, but again, Miami's a tough matchup, and it's just not a gimme. Okay, um... Thanks a lot for listening about the Sixers and the Heat. I'm going to go down through the all the other playoff series right now. I'm going to try to make this quick because um, I don't want to get too deep into all of them, but I still feel the same way with a lot of these series. Uh, Washington and Toronto. Toronto, unlike the past, finally won game one. Uh, they won game two last night. Very convincing. Uh, Fred Van Vliet came back. Didn't really matter. Um, everything that you want out of this Toronto team is happening. And I even listened on Zach Lowe's uh, Low Post podcast about how there was a blanket email to all of ESPN saying, get your passports and make sure that they're up to date, um, hinting at the fact that Toronto might be in the finals. So uh, I was very impressed with Toronto. They took care of business. Washington... I mean, this team is just, they got to take a long, long, hard look at themselves this offseason because this is the same thing that they've trotted out last year. It's it's Wall and Beal again and a whole bunch of role players, and I feel like the steps that they needed to take forward this season didn't happen. I mean, I think that John Wall's injury plays a big role in that, but when you compare them with a Toronto team that is taking steps forward, I mean, I don't even know if this team is going to win a single game. I, I was kind of predicting that Washington would be able to pull out two games because I do think they have the talent to do it. They probably, I think that Wall and Beal are better than DeMar DeRozan and Kyle Lowry, but I just don't see it happening right now. I mean, right now, the way they've been playing, it feels a little bit like it's going to be a sweep. Boston and Milwaukee, okay, so again, they played game two last night. Boston took care of business. They're now up 2-0. This is another moment where Milwaukee looks like an absolute dumpster fire, just a train wreck. I mean, they. I feel like they don't know how to figure anything out. Eric Bledsoe does not look like he's trying that hard. Giannis is struggling. And this Celtics team, I mean, everything is coming up roses right now because Brad Stevens is a hell of a coach. You've got role players who are finally stepping up in big games. I mean, Jalen Brown scored 30 points last night. I mean, holy fucking shit. So everything you want out of this Boston team is kind of clicking considering the fact they don't have their two superstars. Now, I still think that the Sixers have what it takes to take down this Boston team, but against a team like Milwaukee that is essentially still trying to figure out what their identity is, you know, is, is learning that Eric Bledsoe is not nearly the sort of playoff you know, aggressor that I think they were hoping him to be. And with a coach who doesn't fully know how to maximize Giannis right now, I mean, Milwaukee is going down the tube fast. It's just disappointing to say that, but that's the reality of it. Um, Let's jump to the West real quick. 
Uh, now, real quick, Minnesota-Houston, that was sort of an interesting game one. Uh, Houston pulled out the win, but it was much closer than anybody expected. Three-point win by Houston. Chris Paul nearly gave the game away at the end of the game. Uh, I mean, there's sort of this stigma with Chris Paul and James Harden and Mike D'Antoni about how everything is perfect this season, but these guys have always figured out a way to lose in big games. And them coming out and not dominating in game one against Minnesota was a little eye-opening. Now, Minnesota has a lot of things to look at in the mirror, too. Carl Anthony Towns scored, I think, eight points or nine points on the night. You can't do that shit. You're Carl Anthony Towns. You've got to dominate, and you've got to figure out a way to get him the ball more. Jimmy Butler, I think, took some questionable shots. The fact that we're sitting here and we're talking about the the Timberwolf who probably had the best game was not Andrew Wiggins, was not Carl Anthony Towns, but it was Derrick Rose. All right, that's a bad sign. And Derrick Rose is not going to be able to replicate that all throughout the series. So, listen, I don't think Minnesota's getting out of this series. I think it's pretty much a shoe-in that Houston is going to take care of business. But the fact that they got scared, the fact that they nearly dropped game one, it was just revelatory. I think we are seeing that Houston misses Luke Mbabute. Um, Ryan Anderson's not playing. I clearly was totally checked out on that. I didn't even, I thought he'd be playing in game one. I I was not ready to see Nene play as many minutes as he did. Um, listen, I'm not scared about Houston. I think they're going to figure this out. I still think Houston is one of the favorites to win the title this year, but them barely eking out game one uh, against the Timberwolves was a little, little bit of, it was an eyebrow raise. Now, uh, the Warriors and the Spurs, I mean, that's gone exactly how we thought it was going to go. The Warriors have showed up. They've taken care of business. They're up 2-0. They've been dominating the Spurs. As much as the Spurs have made it kind of a close series and a close game, I mean, this is still the Warriors. As much as they look like dog shit in the regular season, Durant, Draymond Green, Klay Thompson, all of these guys are coming out. They're showing up. Um, some of the, their bench players are really playing well, which is, I, I, I wasn't fully ready to sort of say that, but Livingston, Iguodala, I mean, guys like, I don't really think I've seen Swaggy P on the floor all that much, but, you know, guys like Quinn Cook and Jordan Bell, they are really paying dividends right now, and you've got to give them credit because they are, quote unquote, turning it on when they need to be turning it on, and I mean, listen, I still think it's going to be a clash of the titans between Houston and Golden State in the Western Conference Finals. I don't see any reason to think other uh, otherwise from that. And San Antonio, they're going to do their best, but I mean, right now, I was saying I think San Antonio could make it a six. I think I was going to say it was going to be six games, but again, with the with the way they're playing, it could be a sweep. It really could be a sweep, but you know, they go back to San Antonio, it might be a different story. Let's see. Um... The Portland-New Orleans series, holy shit. So New Orleans played game two last night in Portland, and they won again. So now the Pelicans have stolen the first two games in Portland. Now that's really saying something because as exciting as Portland, Damian Lillard, C.J. McCollum, you know, Nurkic, all of the excitement that they garnered during the regular season to sort of shoot ahead of all these other teams and get that third seed really got them a lot of swagger. But now New Orleans is outshining them. Nobody cares about the fact DeMarcus, uh, uh, DeMarcus Cousins is not playing. If anything, they're, they're not even raving about Anthony Davis anymore. They're raving about Drew Holiday. Drew Holiday, the guy who two years ago, people were saying he might not ever play again. He might never recover to what he was before. I mean, they were essentially ready to write him off, and people thought it was crazy that New Orleans gave him a $100 million contract. He is now the superstar of that series. He scored 33 points last night. He made a defensive block on Pat Connaughton in the first game to essentially seal the victory for New Orleans. I mean, 
people aren't talking about Davis. They're talking about Drew Holiday. He has become the guy to talk about. Like, they're not talking about Damian Lillard. I mean, a couple of weeks ago, they were talking about Damian Lillard being an MVP. Now they're talking about how this is Drew Holiday's series. He's one of the best two-way players in the league. I I mean... Holy shit. If anything, we got to give some more credit to Drew Holiday. Got to sell some more Drew Holiday jerseys. And, I mean, Rajon Rondo was hitting three-pointers in this game. This Pelicans team with Miritich, Holiday, Rondo, and then you throw in guys like Ian Clark. Yeah, I mean, you th- I mean, shit, even Emeka Okafor. I don't even think he's been getting in the game. But this Pelicans team, they're not missing DeMarcus Cousins at all. Anthony Davis is playing that number five spot. And this Blazers team doesn't have answers. Nurkic can't guard Anthony Davis. And who are you going to put on Anthony Davis? Are you going to put Zach Collins on Anthony Davis? I mean, it's like they're trying their best to do whatever they can to just put a body on some of these guys, and they can't figure it out. And then you couple that with the fact that Holiday and Rondo and the rest of their backcourt is actually playing solid defense on McCollum and Lillard. I mean, McCollum and Lillard have had two games in Portland on their home court where they have struggled to shoot. I mean, like 30% field goal percentage from the field, struggled to get any points out there. And I mean, they're going back to New Orleans now. They're going back in an 0-2 hole. And considering the way they've played, this is looking scary because I think they can steal a game in New Orleans, but they might be going, I don't think it's going to be a sweep, but they're going to go back to Portland probably in a 3-1 hole. And this New Orleans Pelicans team is definitely not taking any prisoners right now. Now, if they win this series, they're going to go up against either the Spurs or the Warriors. I don't think the Pelicans are going to beat the Warriors. But, I mean, just very, very disappointing to see a a Blazers team that had so much potential really start to kind of come apart at the seams. And, uh, And if anything, you know, certainly it's probably more indicative of how good New Orleans is right now. This is a very dangerous team. I think everybody was shocked to see them even make the playoffs and go on the run and play as well as they did after Cousins went down. But, I mean, it's been a revelation. Holiday and Anthony Davis have been magnificent. The trade for Miritich has been great. I mean, for the first time in a long time, I can say I actually am kind of excited to see the Pelicans play because their roster has been dog shit for so long. It's always been a strange hodgepodge of players that you're sort of like, did they really think about this when they actually put this team together? But now... Finally paying dividends, and they deserve it. Good for the Pelicans. Um, Two more series to talk about before I get out of here. The Jazz and the Thunder, they play tonight. Um, Actually, they play in about an hour. Uh, So the Thunder picked up game one. Um, Sheer star power. Paul George went crazy, shot 8 of 11 from beyond the arc, scored 39 points or 36 points. Uh, Westbrook scored about 20 or so points. You know, Carmelo Anthony, let's stop considering him a member of the big three. If anybody, it's going to be Paul George, Russell Westbrook, and Steven Adams. They really took care of business. And Utah, I mean, if anything, Utah probably suffered from the fact that Donovan Mitchell got hurt. I mean, he got hurt. He couldn't play the entire game. And when you take Donovan Mitchell out of the equation, there's a lot of scoring that Utah's missing. You know, as as exciting as they are with Crowder and Gobert, they really do lack the scoring. And Oklahoma City doesn't lack scoring. Oklahoma City is going to overpower you from a talent perspective if you don't really make them earn it. And I think Utah, you know they're dealing with the fact that they don't have the same scoring. You know, Ricky Rubio, you know, if you think back to the beginning of the season before Donovan Mitchell was Donovan Mitchell, Ricky Rubio was shouldering a lot of the scoring burden. You know, guys like Rudy Gobert and, um, uh, um, uh, you know, Dante Exum's back. Like, these guys have all got to contribute to putting 
you know, 100 and, 110, 115 points on the board if they want to beat a team like Oklahoma City, and they couldn't the other night. And the way it's looking right now, I still have faith that Utah can steal a game or two, but I'm still thinking Oklahoma City in six games. Um, and, you know, we'll see tonight. Now, the last thing I'm going to talk about is LeBron James getting absolutely fucking embarrassed by Victor Oladipo and the Pacers the other night. They got blown out by 18 points on their home court. I think the chickens are finally coming home to roost with this Cavaliers team that, you know, their defense has been atrocious all season, you know, and everybody has sort of been like, well, you know, it's LeBron and the Cavs in the playoffs. They'll figure it out. They'll, they'll still probably trot right into the finals. Maybe they'll have trouble with a team like Philadelphia or Toronto. Well, I got news for you. Round one was where they're already having trouble. They got embarrassed. Okay. Indiana dominated them. I mean, Indiana shot up to an uh, to a big lead early and just held on to that lead throughout the entire game. LeBron d- had a triple-double, didn't matter. Essentially, he tried to do every single thing he wanted to do on the planet, and they couldn't stop him. And, uh, and they couldn't stop him, but it didn't matter because Indiana chose to shut down the rest of Cleveland's team. Nobody else could score. Nobody else could play defense. And before you knew it, Indiana was just smacking them around like it was their bitch. And now the tip-off is going to happen in a couple of minutes in, in, uh, in Cleveland for game two. And you know what? I don't really know how Cleveland is going to win game two. I mean, the way I saw Indiana play in game one, I'm sort of sitting here thinking, you know, this could be a sweep. It's not going to be a sweep because LeBron is going to figure out a way to squeak out a few wins. And I still think they're probably going to, you know, I don't think they're coming out of the series anymore. I could absolutely see Indiana taking the series because I don't know who's going to guard Oladipo. Oladipo was a monster, and there were times in that game in Game 1 where he just wanted to go to the hoop and he got there. And you can't expect LeBron to guard him as well. LeBron can't guard every single player on the floor. So, listen, I still think it's going to probably be... No, I think Indiana will take it in six games. I really do. I'm flipping, I'm changing the script. After how bad Cleveland looked in Game 1, you know, they could bounce back and be just fine in Game 2, but... Indiana's a dangerous, dangerous team. They're right up there with Miami in the sense of, like, we don't give them as much credit. You know, they don't have the flashiest names, but they are a gritty, tough, nasty team that's not going to make it easy for anybody to eliminate them. And Cleveland is a team that's going to get pushed around. If they keep playing the way they are, all they want to do is outscore opponents. And you know what? They they put 80 points on Indiana. So Indiana found a way to sort of shut down their crazy-ass scoring. And you know what? If you just let LeBron eat and nobody else... You're prob- the Cavs are probably going to lose. So that's my thought on the Cavs. At this point, I'm changing the script. I'm saying the Pacers are going to beat them because someone was going to beat them this year. They were not going to get to the finals, and even if they did, they weren't winning. And the real question was, was it going to be Boston? Was it going to be Philadelphia? Was it going to be Toronto? Turns out it might be Indiana in the first round. That's, that's, my, that's my take, and I'm sticking to it. Okay, thanks a lot for listening to Sam Sports Podcast. Uh, just wanted, needed to go run down the playoff picture right now. I'll be back next week to check in and see exactly what's going on with this playoff picture. Um, you can subscribe to Sam Sports Podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Like my Facebook page, Sam Sports Station. Um, uh, like my, uh, follow me on Instagram, at Sam Sports Station. Follow me on Twitter, at SmithFaceJones. And, of course, you can always uh, email me at samsportsstation at gmail.com. Send me anything you want. Talk some trash. Throw me some mailbag questions. Love to hear from you. But in the meantime, enjoy tonight's game uh, with the Cavaliers and the Pacers, the Jazz and the Thunder. And I believe the evening game is going to be – who the hell's the evening game? 
God damn it, I'm supposed to know these things. Oh, it's Minnesota and Houston. Yeah, that'll be interesting. We get to see maybe Houston will actually blow out Minnesota tonight. Enjoy the games. I'll be back next week. Thanks a lot for listening. Take it easy. Bye-bye.